so uh this this past few weeks i, I i've been feeling like really depressed um uh, uh, okay i don't know where to start uh m maybe from the latest thing that happened uh so yesterday uh i, I was i was having lunch with my father and um after that he he began to like he wanted to talk about our relationship mm. so he he told me that he felt like our relationship has been like uh going really really bad lately uh that he felt like sad for that and and he wanted to talk with me about it uh so okay so so i i've been feeling this way about our relationship a long time ago probably six years or so and lately since i i joined the EFDR conversation i i Having, I'm having some trouble with, with this whole thing because, let, I mean, like um, a week ago or something, I I heard uh, a calling show, probably two weeks ago, uh, when when you talk about uh, someone's father, and 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 that someone has like the, you, you call the the fantasy of, of the father being the good cop in the in the relationship. And yeah. probably, probably I had the. I mean, I have the, the, the same fantasy, but it's it's kind of hard for me to, to get off that idea, because I don't know. I I feel that, like in some ways, he he was the one that, that protected me from from my mother, because my mother is like a the bad cop <laughs> and um, she, she was really stressed all the time and yelling and you know and and, and yelling at me and, and my brother or something but i like he 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 would step up and and uh, you know uh, fight with my mother or something for for me because he he felt like that that wasn't the way that she she would have to do it so so that's like one and and I really shared time with him when when I was young i I played a lot with him and 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 I felt like he was he was a good father, but later on I don't know something happened and i and I began to feel like like there was some stuff that that really didn't connect with that idea if that makes sense yeah yeah so i mean um for example uh, on uh, on christmas i mean I, i'm 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 very open with my atheism thing and uh, but but my parents were um Christians and so, so I'm sorry uh, I just interrupted you said your parents were or are Christians uh, I mean are 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 okay okay where, where, I, I don't know I, I'll <laughs> I'll get to that at least my mother is but my father I don't know so um, before Christmas um, you know the, this whole time I, I've been very open with my atheism thing and my brother he's he's nine I'm, I'm 21 so my my brother always saw these kind of things but I, I really never talked to him about this god issue but but you know uh, kids pick up things quite easily so so we were on christmas with my whole family and and then my brother said that he didn't believe in god anymore so that was like a big issue and and, and my parents um, like were quite mad at me because they they thought that 
I had done it or that I had persuaded my brother in some way, but that I, I really never talked to him about that, but uh, but I guess that he realized that <laughs> there was no 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 reason to believe that uh, other than my parents telling him that that God existed and God loved him and all of that. So so it was a really big issue and and I kind of fight with my with my father about that. But okay, so that was on Christmas and probably one one month one month and a half. Uh, I don't know my, my my father like like I always thought that he was in a closet you know an, an atheist in the closet but he he couldn't say it or or at least agnostic but he didn't believe all the stuff that he told me and I was sure of it but it it it, it I mean he told me that probably a month ago so I I didn't say anything to him but I was thinking like okay so you told me all, all the things that you never really believed in. And, and, I'm and sorry. Um, you, we just, I just wanted to make sure I'm, I'm staying current. Your father told you that he was an atheist about a month ago. Well, yeah, at least an agnostic. At least that agnostic. Okay. Yeah, he he don't believe in in all this stuff that he told me to believe in. So so yeah, I, I thought about it and I was like, okay, so you told me. Why? Why would you tell your son that God exists and all of that, and He's watching you, and okay, and He loves you, and, and heaven and hell and uh, all of that stuff? If if you don't believe in it, right? So, so I'm that, sorry. Is that a genuine question for you, or is that rhetorical? Like, do you, do you not know? Well, I I think I know why, because of my mother, he yeah. he, he was. He, I, I mean, he's always been the, the kind of, you know, the the the, the father that always get uh, like attacked by my mother for everything that goes wrong about anything, and uh, he he's the one that tried to conciliate things when 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 things get ugly and 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 all that kind of stuff. But I felt that. Like when I was young, he he really defended me, but so so I don't know how to to put the, those two ideas together. I mean, because of what I heard in the in the past conversation that you had with this guy, you said that okay, there's this guy, meaning my father, who chooses to marry a kind of bitchy woman and then decides to have a son with her for and and he later on don't defend him so he he doesn't have to put up with the with her crap and her anger and all of that but but yes. I don't know how, yes. how that would work in my case because he he tr like I felt like he kind of protecting me in some ways. Probably can you give me some examples of, uh, sorry, can you give me some examples of the protection that you're talking about? Okay. So, so every time I, I, I told, for example, something to my parents, I, I have a, for example, I have a, 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 a problem at school with a teacher or something. And I come home and I, and I talk to my father and I, to my parents I, and I tell them that probably it wasn't my fault or you know the 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 real explication the honest one mm. and and my mother wouldn't believe me like she would say no you you're lying you just don't want to uh, get the the punishment that you should receive or something like that and and my father w w would wouldn't believe me and and say that that I don't lie, and that I was being honest, and that that she she would choose to believe me over my my teacher or something. That would be. Um, sorry, let me just uh, make sure that I I understand. So, what would happen then? So, your mother would say you're uh, lying to avoid punishment, and your father would say no, he doesn't lie. 
what would happen as a result of that? What would happen then? Okay, so um, I guess he would he would try to argue uh, in my favor uh, until until I don't know if if my mother couldn't handle it, then then she wouldn't she wouldn't be involved in the in the school situation, and and my father would would respond to the teacher with a letter or something, telling her that uh, she she would need to have some evidence or proof that she was. Right, because he he chooses to trust his son, probably something like that. But um, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, and you can tell me if this is not true, of course. But my experience has been that if you have your father comes comes to your defense with regards to your mother, and pushes her back, right, pushes that kind of crazy accusation stuff back, doesn't it kind of do the reach around, doesn't it kind of come around and bite you in the butt in some other way? Like, doesn't your mother then get angry about something else because she's thwarted in this way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's always hungry, so, or at least was. I think it's less now than, than before. But. Well, but sorry, so, so in terms of protection, all that you got was a temporary respite with increased problems later on, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, if that wasn't the case, then let me know. But, but that's how I would imagine that it would play out. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. I guess that's so true. it's yeah. not really protection, right? Right. You know, like there's always the problem with, uh, to take a, a, a parallel example, uh, if you're getting bullied at uh, school and your dad comes along and, you know, wags his finger in the face of the bully – all that happens is that the bully's going to get you or a friend of his is going to get you in some other way, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you genuinely felt protected, then what would have happened is the amount of hostility or verbal abuse or mistrust that you were experiencing from your mother would have diminished over time. But all that would happen is she'd say, fine, you know, you, you can thwart me on this, but I'm just going to pick at him for something else now. His room's not clean enough. He didn't take the garbage out. He's not... Whatever he's not—he's not showing the proper respect. He didn't finish his food. It's going to be something else, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is—is is that was that the case? Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, I'd like to—I um, don't know if you've listened to the last show, but uh, I'll just give a very brief explication of uh, another metaphor. I guess a more in-depth metaphor about this question of the parent who gets away, like the parent who ends up getting off the hook with regards to family dysfunction. You can let me know if you think it applies. So, if I um, drive to where you are, and I seize you on the street, and I throw you into the back of a van, and I drive you over to a guy from the mafia who wants to torture you, and I deliver you to this guy, and then I say to this guy, well, take it easy on him, can it be really said that I'm protecting you? No, no, right? No. If I deliver you to the mafia guy and then tell the mafia guy to take it easy on you or not to hurt you too badly or whatever, it's sort of after the fact, right? Because I've already delivered you to the mafia guy, right? Right. And this is the reality of parenting, right? That if one parent, as you say, chooses um, a bitchy wife... Oh, your dad chooses a bitchy wife, gives her children, and continues to allow the children to be um, frightened or abused or terrorized or whatever, then he really has created the situation, right? If I, if I deliver you to the mafia, particularly, of course, if you're completely innocent of any wrongdoing of any kind, not that any wrongdoing would justify that, but even if, it would be even worse if you'd never been involved with the mafia at all. And children, of course, are always completely innocent. But... If I deliver you to the mafia to be tortured, then I am creating the situation. If I then say, well, but I think that, you know, the mafia guy should have been nicer to you. I was the victim, this and that. Well, I mean, that just doesn't stand logically or emotionally, right? Right. right. And uh, I would suggest that one of the reasons that you're feeling so sad, Jonathan, is that your emotional experience of your parents 
is at war with your father's story about what happened, right? Because your father believes that he was a, a victim of a bad situation who tried to protect you, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that his perception? Isn't that his story? Yeah, yeah. But your experience of that is that that's not the case, right? Yeah. Because your father was not a victim and he was not helpless, right? Yeah, yeah, he could. I mean, it wasn't an arranged marriage, right? He wasn't going to get shot if he didn't marry... Right. Right? Your your mom? Right. He wasn't going to get shot if he left your mom, right? Right. He wasn't going to get shot if he didn't send you guys to Sunday school, right? Right. Yeah. So there were choices that he had that you didn't have, right? Yes. And the choices that he refused to make, and we can look, I mean, intellectually and as adults, we can have some sympathy for the cultural pressures, the, the uh, religious pressures, the, the romantic pressures, the sentimentality pressures. We can have, but we're talking about your experience as a child, which is not that your father failed to protect you, that, that, but that he actually brought you into and sustained a situation that was dangerous and destructive for you. And so you have your experience, but you have your family's mythology that is at war with that, right? Particularly your father's. Yes. You don't. When you're a child, you never perceive your father as a victim. You never perceive your parent as a victim. That's like trying to perceive God or George Bush or as, as a victim, right? Because when you're a child, your parents have so much power relative to you, right? They're, they're bigger, they're economically, uh, they can have, they have jobs, they, they can do whatever they want, they can stay up late, they can, like your parents have so much power relative to you as a child that the idea, the very thought, the very concept that they're helpless is incomprehensible, it's unfathomable for a child, right? Right. So when we get older and we start to question our parents, what we hear endlessly, what we hear is, well, son, it was a tough situation, but I did the best I could, right? Yes. But that's not at all how we experienced it as a child, right? As a child, we imagine that the sun doesn't come up until our dad gives it a nudge, right? Yes. So for your dad to go from an all-powerful guy to some mealy-mouthed, whipped victim is not rational for you, right? I mean, that wasn't your experience as a child. Yeah, yeah. So these two, your, your actual experience and your father's story about what happened are fighting. They're at war in your soul, right? Yes. But that's enough, uh, enough for me. I, I don't want to, you know, run over what it is that, that you're thinking and feeling. I mean, I'm getting a, a near bottomless sense of, or well, of, of sadness from you when, when you speak, right? Yes, yes, I, yes, I am. So, and that is, that is, only, that is only a step, right? I think that, that you may feel happier in a sense. This sounds weird. You may feel happier about feeling sad than feeling the alternative to sad. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that's the case. And what is the alternative to sad in this case? Like, probably to, to, to think that there's nothing wrong with my family, that, that, that my father is still a good guy, and, and, and he, you know, to, to believe what he says, it would be, yeah, but you can't do that. If you could do that, you'd feel nothing rather than sad, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you accept that your father was not helpless in the past, then what is the alternative or what is actually underneath the sadness? If he could have saved you from this at any time, at any time, then what is underneath 
with the sadness. I guess. I guess be some. Some. Some anger. Or some anger. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean. Again, this is not to put the same moral category on it, but metaphorically, if some guy delivers me to the mafia and then claims that he was a victim, how am I going to feel towards him? Right. Right. I'm sorry? Right, right. I mean... Right what? What am I going to feel towards him? Anger. Yeah. Right. And, and you know why the anger is so hard to get a hold of in the present is that... There is still a, quote, crime being committed against you by your father in the present, right? Right now, not about 10 years or 20 years ago, but, but now. Okay, so, so what, what would it be? Well, the crime that is being committed against you right now is that your father is still manipulating you for his own immediate comfort. Because by telling you that he's helpless, by telling you that there was nothing that he could do, by telling you that he protected you, by telling you that he did the best he could, he's now manipulating you rather than manipulating his wife or manipulating you as a child, right? It hasn't stopped. Right? Right. Yeah. And why do you think he told you he was an atheist or an agnostic or lacked faith, let's say? Okay. I'll tell you what I, what I first thought to see if it makes any sense. So so when when he told me that I I I felt like I don't know like I I've made a good job with my atheism thing so so I tried to argue with him about about the whole religious thing and and he would you know not have any 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 other argument and and I would tell him that that uh being an atheist does doesn't mean that you have to like live in in solitude or anything like that. So so at first I thought that it was it was it was like I've done something uh, like for him to realize that that you don't have to be religious to be good or or something to to put up with the society something like that 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 was my third first thought that like I felt like he had some like he he could use his rationality and 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 get over that that religious thing. But yeah, that was what I thought. Well how did you but did the, the question is well there are two questions, but let's ask the second one first. How did you feel when he confessed this? Well it was kind of mixed because I, I felt like, of course, I, I felt like that what what I told you first, like, so so why would you tell me all, all of this when I was a kid as as truth? But on the other hand, I, I was feeling like okay, so so my brother won't have to put up with this whole nonsense. <laughs> Well, why do you think that your brother won't have to put up with it? Because uh, I, I, I can't imagine that my father will will tell him that God loves him after this. I mean, that that would be why. I mean, do you do you feel that your father lives with great integrity and has for the majority of his life? Right. Yeah. Okay. So. I mean, if you fail, look, if you fail 
if you if you bring your child into an emotionally destructive situation where he's being bullied and maybe verbally abused and so on by someone, if you do that, then what are you not capable of morally, right? I mean, if if you if you bring your child into a dangerous situation and then attempt to, quote, manage it, which means that your child continues to get abused in one way or another. What, what crime would we then put past someone like that? I mean, are we going to say, well, yes, he will create and participate in a situation of child abuse, but by God, he wouldn't lie. Yeah. <laughs> right. And let me, uh, let me ask you this. There's, there's a very, very simple test for this, right? Okay. Um, are you at all in contact with your mother anymore? Yeah, I mean, there's... I know the okay, whole, that's fine. Yeah. It's just a yes-no, right? So, have you told... <laughs> right. So, have you told your mother that your father is an agnostic? Had I told my mother that yep. my father... <sighs> no, I, I mean, I... All right, I no, no, I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep interrupting because I just want to get the answers to the couple of questions and then we can continue with your thoughts. Sure. Has your father told your mother that he's an agnostic? Hmm, I, I wouldn't know. I mean... I, oh, I think have... you would. I think you would know because it would be all over the family structure, right? <sighs> Your mother would be uh, upset. You would probably hear them. There would be coldness at dinner for weeks. There would be – she would burst into tears. There would be – I mean there would be big stress and big problems, right? It wouldn't pass unnoticed, right? Mm, okay. But we have that. <laughs> I mean um, – Yes, but, but about this. Why has your father not told your mother if he's so into – this truth and, and confession and honesty thing, why has your father not told your mother about his agnosticism or atheism? But more importantly, why haven't you told your mother? I'm not saying you should. The question is why you haven't, right? Well, for, for my part, I, I would say that I, I try not to talk with her anymore, so I don't, I don't feel that. Like so you have a secret. You have a secret to keep now, right? Which is your father's agnosticism. You can't bring it up at the dinner table. You can't bring it up in conversation. You can't talk about it with your mother, right? It has become a secret that you have to keep for your father. Hmm. It's a burden. It's a burden, right? I hadn't thought about it that way. Okay, let let me ask you something first, Steph. Um, okay, I I have a I'm thinking about something. Um, when when I was young, uh, my my parents used to go to church together, and we will went and but but lately, um, they stopped going to church for a while, but now my my mother uh, is is going back like every every single weekend uh, but but my my father doesn't come with her so 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 i i i guess there would be a reason for that because if if he hadn't told him told her anything about his uh, his thoughts i i guess he would still go to church or or something like that w wouldn't that be the case i mean probably i'm wrong but well, then it's even weirder, right? Because then it's it's a big elephant in the room that everyone can see, but no one's talking about, right? Then it's even weirder. If he's not going to church, but he's also not talking about his agnosticism, that's even more stress, right? Well, yeah. Because at least, I mean, if he went but wasn't agnostic, at least it would be like there wouldn't be the stress of waiting for something to be noticed, right? Yes. Now, let me, uh, sorry to interrupt you because, uh, but, uh, but uh, I think that I'm missing a picture here. I'm missing something in the picture. And that question is, what did your mother do to you? And what I mean by that is, was, I mean, uh, I'm guessing that there was, I mean, calling your kid stupid and untrustworthy and this and that, that's verbally abusive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about, was there, uh, was there uh, spanking? Was there hitting? Was there any kind of violence in that way? No, I I remember just one single time that 
she hit me. You know. That your mother hit you? Yeah. And what was that? Uh, I, 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 I surely can't remember the exact situation, but probably I was around seven years old. And, and yeah, I remember that that she that she hit me uh, that that but hit you how uh with, with uh i don't know what's the word for it uh okay let me try this with um you know with, with, like with a shoe or something like that yeah with a shoe okay and was it uh, like across the legs across the buttocks um no, no. uh yeah it, it was was uh, um, yeah, I was I was laid down, uh, with uh, looking looking downward. Uh, oh, like across her lap, hit with a shoe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, when your mother would um, raise her voice, was she a yeller, or did she scream, or or what was it that happened for you uh, when your mother would get angry? Oh, huh. it was it was a whole show. Uh, she would start screaming and yelling, and 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 I I remember she, she I mean she had I I felt this way probably hasn't but it, it, I felt like she has changed because with my my brother the the I mean he hadn't lived what I lived I mean when when I was a child my mother used you know to, why do you know why she's changed. No, I, I mean... I can tell you why, if you like. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, she's changed because you are a witness, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. And, and I've... But it's, I mean, sorry, but it's not funny, right? Yeah. Because, the, I mean, you're, you're the oldest, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... When you were being beaten up, or sorry, that's too too strong because it happened once, but when you were being screamed at and terrorized and bullied and verbally abused, there was no witness, right? Other than your dad who placed the victim card, right? Yeah. But you are the witness for your brother, so she is restraining some of her behavior, right? Because she can't get away as much with as much because of you, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what that means, and this is the awful part about it, is that when it comes to you, Jonathan, she could have stopped at any time. She did not have to do it. She, didn't, she was not compelled to do it. She was not driven to do it by some sort of mental illness or chemical imbalance or instability. She chose to do it because she's not doing it as much now, right? Yeah. Any behavior that can be restrained is a choice, right? A schizophrenic cannot be paid a million dollars to not be schizophrenic for a day, right? Yeah. They, they, that, that's a genuine mental illness. This kind of uh, bullying and physical, uh, emotional and verbal abuse is optional because your mother has... I mean, she didn't do it to you at church either, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, you, yeah. you have a laugh reaction to this stuff, right? Uh, what is yeah. that? Okay, so I because it's I, like it's it's like the total opposite of funny, right? It's like laughing about Abu Ghraib, right? Torture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I I I have a sporadic laugh because uh, when when you say it, I, I I immediately remember remember that, and and it's I mean remember what? Sorry, remember what? Mm, that I heard you before saying this, and and I and I when I heard it, I I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, she she definitely didn't hit me at or or scream at me uh, at a at church because of of the people around her. Yeah, so she was perfectly capable of restraining her temper, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, the laugh reaction is going to lead you to the depression. The, the, the two are interlinked. If you laugh about something, what that means is that somebody in your family has a laugh defense about your history, like, oh, you were a troublesome kid, and it was funny, and we did this, but we didn't do that, and so on. Um, 
And what's going to happen is that that laugh reaction is so much the opposite of what you actually experience as a child, which is livid terror. I mean, when you're mother who is, you know, five times your size is screaming at you. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more terrifying as a child. It's more terrifying than physical assault. Sure. And if, if, you, if you have the laugh reaction, which you do, and I sympathize with it, I really do, but, but if you have the laugh reaction, then that's going to lead you to feeling sad, depressed, empty, alienated, um, lifeless in a way, right? Yeah. Because it's not going to get you through to the anger. And the anger is going to lead you out of the depression. Yeah. And the anger is accepting that they weren't fucking victims. Parents oh, so often claim to be victimized by things. By, oh, you were a difficult child. Oh, you woke up at night. Oh, this. Oh, that. Right? right. Oh, those days you just didn't get divorced and so on. Right? Well, parents just sit around. I mean, not all parents, but a lot of parents just sit around. Whenever, whenever criticisms about things come up from their children, all you ever hear is, is how helpless they were, right? Yeah. But it's not true. No, it is. It's not true, and it's a further evidence of the continued manipulation of the family structure, of the parent structure, right? When they have all the power in the world, they abuse it. And then when you point out that they abused their power, wham! The story suddenly switches and they become helpless victims, right? It's a real sickness. And it's so fucking manipulative. But this isn't connecting with you emotionally, right? No, no, I mean, it is. I'm I'm thinking a couple questions that I want to ask you. Because, okay, I I mean, I I totally get it. I, I, I was talking to... To Greg, uh, Greg G, probably uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and and I was okay. So I have I've, I have these two issues. First, that when I, when I was thinking that probably like my 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 father could be like saved or or something like that, like he 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 he's not totally screwed up yet. When when I thought that I was thinking that, because when when we say that there is no restitution for what our parents did, and if there is no restitution, they there cannot be forgiveness. I was thinking that that probably there there would be a, a restitution for me, that I would feel like it that that would be the case with my brother, if if everything be changed for him that no no that's not restitution for you though that's rest- i mean that's something for your brother and the more that you the better that your parents treat your brother the more angry you're going to be the less restitution there is for you the more that your parents treat your brother better because it means that they could have stopped with you at any time but didn't and this doesn't mean of course that you should want your brother to be treated badly but the better that they're able to treat him the worse your childhood actually was in terms of their responsibility Okay, right. I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But still, wouldn't wouldn't I choose if that were the case? I mean, to feel totally angry at my parents, but to choose if if that would come with with my my brother having a, a better childhood. If what would come? Sorry. I mean, I mean, I, I'm 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 okay. What you said makes, oh, well, you know, sense. But if 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 that was the case, that that uh, I, I would feel quite anger at my at my parents if if they treat my brother better. Okay, so so I'm angry at them, but I would choose to to be totally and more angry at them if if my brother would have a, a better childhood. You would choose to be more angry at them if your brother had a better childhood, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just just to put it in very short metaphorical terms, if you were, let's let's put on a dress, if you were a woman and you had a first husband who beat you up and then he got remarried after you divorced him and he never touched 
his second wife, would you feel better or worse? Worse. Of course. Yeah. Right? So if they're kinder to your younger brother, we can be very happy for that at an abstract level. But as far as you go, for your genuine emotional experience, I mean, it's, it's worse, right? means that they never were helpless. They could have controlled themselves at any time. They just didn't want to. See, now you're a witness and, and maybe the standards in the community have changed or whatever. They're restraining their behavior. But it means that their love for you or their consideration or care for you as an innocent, helpless, dependent child was never enough for them to restrain their behavior, right? Right. It's only if they're going to get caught. It's only if there's going to be a witness. That's when they restrain their behavior. Or well, that's vicious and cowardly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, why is it that you're talking to your dad about atheism rather than your feelings? Well, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess that, that's, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like a lot of anxiety when, when I tried to, to I'm talk. sorry somebody's cell phone is uh, they need to turn it off or something like that but I'm sorry please go ahead there's a cell phone just close to someone's mic it's making a buzzing sound but I'm sorry go ahead okay so um, so talking about your feelings with your father rather than something abstract like the existence of God because the existence or non-existence of God is not the primary issue in your relationship right it's not even close right mm. yeah yeah, I, 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 his birthday was probably a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I, having you know this this idea that that maybe maybe I I could talk to him and and you know have some have some like to 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 make the. The relationship better or something. I, I I wrote him a letter on his birthday when when I well I, I said a lot of things in that letter um, that that I felt like I I I didn't love him as much as as I did with, as a child probably not not to use the word love anymore like I felt something for him like sympathy sympathy or or something like that. And and I, I I would put a lot of my feelings in that letter, and and so I went to the sh to the FDR chat before I I, I would deliver it, and uh, and I start to talk to to Greg G and and in the end I I I, I didn't I I, I I I kept the letter, and uh, I never I never gave it to him. But there's like. I, I realized that that there would be no point in doing that. Well, that that's what I what came out with with with, with the conversation with Greg. That we in the family we talk about our problems and 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 some way to to resolve them. But the thing is that it would work out for a couple of weeks, you know. Everyone would cry and, and, and there would be hugs and there would be I love you a lot and, and that whole thing when, when we talk about it. But, but then um, probably one, not one month later, the whole, the whole thing would be the same pretty much. Sure. Okay, I'm going to just stop you for a second here because let, let me just tell you my experience of this conversation. Because you haven't changed one bit since we started talking. I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and I don't know if you're intellectualizing it or I don't know, but, but your emotional content, and you don't have to change, obviously. I'm just telling you what my experience is. Because we've talked about a lot of stuff back and forth, and I've given you some perspectives, which may be useful or may not, may not be useful and so on. But the, the monotone of your emotional expression is exactly the same now as when we've started. And all that means to me is that I don't know what you want out of this conversation. I don't know what you're looking to achieve. Yeah. Well, it's not a criticism. Like, I'm just saying that I now do not know what will constitute success in this conversation, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. 
Because okay, so you're really closed. You're really closed emotionally, right? I'm trying not to, but it's. But I'm not criticizing. Like it's not good or bad. It just is what it is, right? Yeah, but. But I, okay, but I realize that it'd be better if, if. Well, it's not better or worse. It's just that if if your emotions or your if your expression is the same at the end of the conversation and we're nearing the end, if it is the same at the end as it is at the beginning, then I feel that I haven't delivered anything of real value to you. And I'm sorry about that, but I don't know what it is that you're looking for. Like, what is it that you're looking to achieve out of this conversation? Okay, no, uh, I, I want to I tell you that what you told me that is, 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 is very valuable for me because, first of all, I realize now that that my whole fantasy doesn't doesn't stand like the the thing about my father that that uh, I'm really glad I I I I put this like I mean I I have But it's sorry but that uh, knowledge doesn't seem to bring you any relief emotionally. Okay, I I think it does but the thing is okay, let let let, let me bring this issue before we finish uh, and it's probably what what has me a lot more worried because okay so before i i knew that you know the the record relationship with my father and 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 the you know the horrible thing that happened to me as a child and i and i and i felt like okay so i know these people were really bad to me and but but i must do something about it because I'm, I'm feeling like I'm sorry you said you must do something about it what do you mean okay so when I come home I, I feel like I'm, I'm choking like I can't breathe like there's something in the air like that this pressure this I don't know this this environment I don't want to be here but tell, sorry tell me what you're feeling now because I really get a sense of feeling from you now but tell me what what's going on for you like like despair, like yeah, that would be the word. Because right, I, like you, you sound uh, like on the verge of tears, and and you're feeling. Um, is it is it is it teary? Is that is that what you're experiencing? Yeah. Okay. And the tears or the thoughts behind it is something like, "I'll never get out." No. Okay, it's, then help me understand what. It's something like, I I must put up with this for at least four years more before I, I have a, a degree because I but why I, I mean this is just my I, I don't your, your your country your culture the economics I have no idea but I just say from my perspective like I've been paying my own way since I was 15 and uh, I put myself through school, now I did get a couple of government loans back in my salad days, but I paid those off as well, a couple of grants as well. But I mean, I worked two jobs. I worked two jobs in the summer. Uh, you know, I just I, I lived in a room with someone else. I actually shared a room uh, in my undergraduate, and I had a tiny basement apartment in another place with two rooms and no windows. Uh, so whatever it took to get uh, to get myself through school, I was able to do. And that doesn't mean that it's all replicable in other situations, but I'm not sure why you'd have to sit, sit there for four years. I just, I can't quite figure that one out. Yeah, so, so, so I have, I had this plan. I mean, what you're saying now is, is what I was planning just a couple, three weeks ago. I had it all figured out. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm studying in a public school college so so I, I i figure okay so i could it, it's quite cheap for me to pay and i could work some time to pay for my university and i i, I mean i had this whole plan so so i would leave probably in less than three months but now there's something that that happened in my university that i feel like it changed the whole thing so 
So, okay, so would you want me to, to tell you about it, or, or, or is it just not, not... Well, if you can tell me about it briefly, um, it's always interesting. Everybody brings up the most important stuff at the end, but that's fine. Uh, if you can tell me briefly, that would be great. I, I'm sorry, Steph. I'm sorry. I, I just... No, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This, you're not alone in this phenomenon, but uh, anyway, please please go on. Okay, so my, the university in which I am now is one of the two best universities that there is. Uh, I'm a study in ec economics and philosophy, both. There's just the other good university is quite more, 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 more expensive than this one. And this, the, the one that I'm in now is going to close for about a year because of the strike that went Oh, yes. You talked about this in a Sunday show, I remember. Yeah. yeah. So the strike went too long, and, and they're going to close the university. So the government is not going to pay for the for the, the stuff that it is supposed to. Uh, but sorry, sorry. I, under I understand that. And I'm going to just uh, – the, the thing that pops to my mind is like – but I'm, I'm not sure why that would stop you, right? Why don't you just take – move off, take a, a year off from home, work two jobs, save up your money, and then go back to school in a year? Well, yeah, that, that, hmm, that, that's an option that I, I hadn't thought about it, probably because... I mean, it, I took a, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what I do, but I took a year off between high school and university, and I worked as a gold panner seven days a week uh, in northern Canada to save up for university, and that helped out a lot because I couldn't spend any money. I was living in a tent in the winter, but, but I'm not sure why it would be the case that this would interfere with your fundamental plans, right? It's not like if you take a year off from school, it's not like you're dead, right? I mean, you can read, you can study, you can learn another language, you can learn more about philosophy, you can ready yourself for um, whatever you want to do. It's not like you're just, it's not like if you're not in school, you're not learning or you're intellectually dead. In some ways, you could say quite the opposite, but you can spend that time hyper accelerating yourself if you want in your study of philosophy and economics so that when you go back to school, you might be so ready that you can actually get through in three years rather than four. I mean, there's lots of different things that you can do. You can take correspondence courses, which might be applicable to your degree. There's lots of things that you can do in that year, which doesn't mean that you have to put it off for a year, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Definitely. I mean, there's, there's, there's things in life which are fixed, and there are things in life which are variable, right? This is a fundamental thing, right? I mean, we're going to die, that's fixed. We're going to age, that's fixed. You know, we are as tall as we are, that's fixed. Right? I mean, we are the gender that we are, that's to a large degree fixed. But my concern is that if you want to move out, that should not be a variable, Jonathan. That should be an absolute. And if shit comes up that causes that to be problems, it's like, hey, I'm water going down a hill. If I hit a boulder, I just go around it, right? Yeah. But it should not – I mean my suggestion is that what keeps you healthy and happy and excited to be alive is what should be fixed for you. That should be like gravity. That should be like aging. That should be an absolute. Whatever makes you the most vital, happy, and alive is what is the absolute. Everything that has to change or adjust to meet that goal – they're all variables, right? So whether you go to school now or a year from now, but if living where you are, and I, I can understand why, causes you this much despair and sadness and depression and anxiety and you can't breathe and panic attacks, then by God, the house is on fire. If the house was on fire and the university was closed down, you wouldn't say, well, now I've got to burn alive in this house because the university is closed down, right? Right. Mm. That's the absolute. Get out of the house. 21 is not a bad age to be leaving home, in my opinion, right? And your parent, maybe your parents will give you some money. Who knows, right? It's not the end of the world if you take that, in my opinion. But, but just, you know, get out and, and, and read and learn and, and see your friends and have, have your own space, right? It could be great for you to have that year where you can study whatever you want. You can work hard at whatever job you want. You can uh, make good contacts. You can pre-study. You could do a correspondence course or two. Whatever it is you want to do, that could be a fantastic year for you. I also took a year off between my undergraduate and my master's degree, which I had to do because I was completely out of money and <laughs> had to work again. But whatever it is that you have to do, your happiness is the, is the fixed thing. It is the non-variable thing. Whatever 
you have to adjust in your life to achieve sustainable happiness for you. Everything else is a variable. Your happiness is the absolute. Yeah. yeah I, well, thanks for that. I, uh, thank you. Thank you. That's, that's one hell of a good advice. I mean, and, and I feel like that's that's what I should be doing. Yeah. You don't have to, right? <laughs> You don't have to. You, there's no shoulds, right? If, but if you want to be happy, then everything else is expendable, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because your happiness isn't going to come to you. Happiness is like health. It does, you don't just sit on your couch and get healthy, right? Happiness is something that you have to work for. You have to make it a, prior, a priority. You have to commit to it. You have to put it like, like your northern star when you're navigating through life. Your happiness has got to be that which you commit to. Not something which, well, if things go right and if the university doesn't close down for a year and if I get this grant, then maybe I can be happy. Well, screw that. Your happiness is something that you have to work and forge and create in your life. And everything else can be an innocent bystander. Everything else can go by the wayside. But your happiness, you have to be fierce about pursuing it and achieving it and sustaining it and maintaining it. You have to be fierce like a dog with a bone with your happiness. Nothing stands in your way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And if you are fierce in possessing your happiness, your happiness will also be fierce in its possession of you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> But if you betray it, it will betray you. Right. Right. Now, there's lots of other people in your life that your pursuit of your happiness is going to be a problem for them, right? Yeah. And that will be the case not just when you're 21, but when you're 22, 25, 30, 40, 50, 90, 100. It will be exactly the same thing, that your pursuit of your bliss is going to piss and discomfort a lot of people, right? And it is much better you make that commitment now that you're going to follow what makes you happy, doesn't hurt other people. You're going to follow what makes you happy, what brings you joy. And you can make that decision now that the discomfort of other people about your joy is going to make you betray your joy and say, forget it. Well, if it bothers other people, I'm not going to do it. In which case, you just live your life as a miserable puppet of other people's emotions, right? And not good people either. Right. Or... You can say, I'm going to pursue my bliss. I'm going to seize and viciously and <laughs> tenaciously achieve and guard my joy. Viciously is the wrong way. Um, ferociously <laughs> is a better way of putting it. I'm going to ferociously guard and achieve that which brings me joy in my life. And if other people are upset by it, that is a really great indication of people that I need to not have in my life. Yes, yes, that's true. If my joy makes other people mad or bitter or upset or frustrated or negative or depressed, them. <laughs> those are great indications of people that you don't want in your life. It's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful way to separate the people who will love you and treasure you and the people who will bitch at you and pull you down. Joy is the great differentiator. It is the great separator of toxic from benevolent people in your life. Yeah. Yeah, right. And we don't like the clarity. We don't like joy is like a great bright light which casts everything into light and shadow. We don't like that clarity in our life because it forces us to make uncomfortable decisions. That's why we avoid bliss and joy and happiness and compromise ourselves for the sake of other people's discomfort. But I say turn up the light. Cue the sun. Let's see where people fall when I am happy. Yes. And seize it because you only get one life. And every moment that you spend unhappy does not get added to the rest of your life. And if you spend this year at home miserable and depressed and frustrated and unhappy, you don't get a year back later on. And if you spend a year doing something that, that, that makes you unhappy, you, all you've done is last a year. 
Other people have gained maybe some relief from anxiety, but we're not here to make bad people feel better. We're here to show what fierce joy can really look like so that people can have a beacon and it can arouse them to pursue their own bliss and their own joy. And in the courage of seizing and maintaining our own joy, we can help spread that courage to other people and help lift them out of the swamp of compromise and appeasement. And that is heroic, in my view. Because that takes the greatest courage that I know of. And that creates the greatest beacons for other people to rouse themselves from their slumbers. And that is a life, I guarantee you, you can be unbelievably proud of. Yes, yes. But you have to fight for it. You have to be fierce for it. You have to pursue it. It will not come to you. Yeah. It must be conquered and defended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're completely right. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, I feel like this, this really helped. You're very, very welcome. I will send you a copy of this, of course, and, and let me know. I think that it's uh, – I think I, – I mean, I appreciate the courage that it takes to talk about these sorts of issues. Um, I know that you have a great a soul that hungers for joy. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't have put up with all of this. <laughs> so uh, I hugely appreciate that and, and respect and understand how difficult that is. But uh, I think it would be helpful for other people to hear this. So I will send you a copy, and you can let me know what you think. Sure. Thank you very much, Steph. Thanks, man. Thank Talk to you soon.